and welcome to Fitter and Faster. My name is Emma-Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. Each month on Fitter and Faster, we tackle one triathlon training topic in depth, giving you everything you need to know. This month, we're talking about the fourth discipline of triathlon, and that's strength training. We'll be chatting with strength and conditioning coach Nate Helming on all aspects of strength work, why it's important for triathletes, what a good strength program should look like and include, and how strength training changes as you progress through the season, plus plenty more. And of course, it wouldn't be fitter and faster without our gear up section, so we'll have our executive editor and gear guru, Chris Foster, joining us later in the show to talk about some of his favorite gear and equipment when it comes to strength training at home. More from us after this short break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership includes two magazine subscriptions, two books from Velo Press, exclusive content not just on Triathlete but across all our brands like Velo News, Backpacker and Yoga Journal, online courses like meditation classes from Yoga Journal and meal plans from Clean Eating, event and gear discounts, access to Gaia GPS and one Finisher Picks photo package each year. Outside Plus is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how and how-tos. Find out more at triathlete.com forward slash outside plus. That's triathlete.com forward slash outside plus. Nate Helming is an endurance, strength and mobility coach with more than a decade of experience. He specializes in functional movement, free weights, mobility and injury prevention for runners, triathletes and cyclists. He co-founded The Run Experience and built out the largest running channel on YouTube with more than 550,000 subscribers and 56 million views covering run form, workouts, training tips, and plenty of how-to videos. He is a three-time Ironman finisher with a sub-10 PR, and he's also raced his fair share of Olympic and 70.3 distance triathlons too. In fact, he has a PR of 417 over the 70.3 distance. So this guy, in my opinion, has that perfect blend of in-the-gym smarts combined with in-the-field experience. I certainly learned plenty from our chat, and here it is, our Q&A with Nate Helming. Hey, hey, Nate, thank you so much for joining us today. We are very pleased to have you here on Fitter and Faster. How are you doing? Uh, I'm a Kate. I am stoked to be here. I want to be a little yeah. fitter and faster myself. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, so we're going to be talking with you all about strength and why it's important for triathletes and how we can best get stronger in the gym and, and, and why, you know, what that translates to. Um, and I know you've got a, a rich and deep experience of helping all levels of athletes uh, and not mm-hmm. just triathletes, obviously runners too. Um, but do you want to kick us off by kind of telling, talking, talking to us about why you think it's important that triathletes are in the gym and have a strength program anyway? So I'll start with a very specific story. Years ago, I got to work with a pro cyclist uh, by the name of Evelyn Stevens. Mm-hmm. And she uh, is American. She started cycling later in life after college. I think she, if I recall, she went to Dartmouth and she played tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she found cycling when she was like 23 and then shot up to the top of the world rankings. And when she was coming into the gym to see me, I think she was fourth in the world championships time trial. Oh, wow. And she was like a few tenths of a second off the podium. Mm-hmm. And she was dealing with some low back pain that they couldn't figure out. 
And this was affecting her ability to not only sustain her position, but also push watts, right? Which was such an important thing, especially at that level. And for all triathletes, right? We want to be able to be efficient in our positions and, and powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we brought her into the gym and we started doing some very quick assessments. And it became really clear that she had been cycling so much that her body was starting to kind of fall apart underneath her in a certain way. And an example, mm-hmm. she could not do one push-up. What? And Evelyn, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, a funny story. We were laughing about it. I know, right? And, and she's awesome and she's wonderful and, and, and just kind of new. But, but she's one of the best female athletes in the world, one of the most powerful cyclists. And she was really struggling with basic body weight things because she was specializing, right? Mm -hmm. As we go into triathlon, and this is my kind of entry into why we need to think about our strength training and why we need a general approach, was that if we become overly specialized, you know, our foundation erodes underneath us and very Mm -hmm. quickly. And we can start to hit a whole litany of issues for her. It was a little discomfort and and a few tenths of a second, but those were costly tenths of a second. Mm-hmm. Um, for everyone else, it's it could be the difference between getting through your training healthy or not. And yep. I want to talk more about specificity. I've 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 strong opinions on this, Emma Kate. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's we we want strong opinions. But there's um, one of the words you said there, which kind of just it got my brain ticking, was foundation. Mm. And you know, I think when we when we're looking at and we're talking about why why triathletes should be in the gym, I think foundation mm-hmm. is a very important part of it, right? And it you is. Can obviously, you can obviously speak more to that, but like building, and when you're talking there about Evelyn, like you're you're trying to build a foundation, I you know, uh, that is strong enough to withstand all the miles that as triathletes we want to put through our body. Um, mm-hmm. And without that foundation, like as you're, as you're referencing there with, with obviously a world-class athlete, uh, without that foundation, we begin to break or mm-hmm. you know, we, we begin to break down. Um, so with, when it comes to whether, it, whether you're a world-class athlete or whether you are just starting out in triathlon and you're kind of on the fence as to whether or not strength work is important, um give yeah give us give us an idea as to as to what kinds of things you should be doing in the gym if maybe let's let's yeah. say uh let's take like a a beginner athlete why sure. they, why why they should be why they should be building this foundation 100% so <clears throat> i i definitely will share very specific exercises and we can get into that but i find it very helpful mm-hmm. to go into a little bit of understanding on why we need to think of ourselves generally as humans when we train and then specifically as as athletes as, as mm-hmm. we train. And I find this juxtaposition helpful. And and with Evelyn, you know, the the challenges for any athlete and triathlete was she is told that to be a better cyclist, she needs to spend more time on her bike. Mm-hmm. Right. For us to be better triathletes, we need to spend maximize the amount of precious moments we have swimming, biking, and running. And presumably the more we do of those things, the better. And it's true, right? It's wow. like we see yeah. that level of specificity or yep. it's been out there, right? Uh, yeah. True true to a point with a big asterisk. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the other thing um, 
Emma Kate, have you ever read the book Boys in the Boat? Yes, I have. I love that book. Such a fun Very, book. Um, yes. You should all read it. It's a good holiday read. It uh, came out a couple years ago. And it tells the story of the 1936 American gold medal rowing team, the crew team. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun. They were from Washington and they had to beat... Um, they had to beat uh, all the big powerhouse schools on the East Coast. And then yep. from there, then they had to go. So they were like the underdog of the underdog of the underdog. And really fun story. But one of the little coaching geeky details that kind of caught my coachy geeky brain was the coach at the time when they were starting to train say, hey, guys, it's rowing season. I don't want you to do anything else. All I want you to do is row and rest. That's kind of it. Wasn't a major plot point. It was just this little thing that was in there. Mm -hmm. And I was really thinking about that. And I was like, huh, that is specificity. Makes sense, yeah. right? We've been talking specificity as coaches for a very, very long time. To be mm -hmm. specifically good at what I want to do, I do more of that thing. And I'm belaboring this point on purpose because this is such a thing that we all face. Um, but in the context of their lives, that message was very different because I don't know if you remember these details, Emma Kate, but these guys were literally lumberjacks. Their summer job, they were hiking and walking like 10 to 15 miles a day. They're mm -hmm. not hunched over a smartphone. <laughs> They're not jammed in chairs all day, right? They're lifting and moving. It's like life has made them very generally strong. So in that context, yes. it makes 100% sense uh, to stop doing those things and only focus on rowing for a little while. Mm -hmm. The problem today is that we still deliver the same message, but in a very different context, right? Yes. 21st century living, we are sitting and passive and inactive. We have engineered all physical inconvenience out of our lives in the form of mm -hmm. moving sidewalks, elevators, mm -hmm. Uber. We don't even have to walk anywhere. And so now all of a sudden, we have to invent sports and things in the gym to get ourselves back and strong again, just to get back to the baseline that life mm -hmm. used to provide. Yeah. So yeah. I really like to provide that foundation because when I'm talking about strength, I'm talking about general physical preparedness. Mm -hmm. There is a level of specificity of how you shape the programming to you as a triathlete, mm -hmm. but let's not kid ourselves. A triathlete is not going to squat differently than a downhill skier or a runner or a soccer player. We all yeah. have the same hips, knees, and ankles and yeah. shoulders and core yeah. stabilizers and breathing mechanics. So we under we need to understand and be really good, awesome general athletes before we go into this specific stuff. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of, that's, import that's important there. What you're saying is like some of us, some triathletes don't have that baseline strength. And mm -hmm. we, and we, I think we kind of live and die by, by that old adage of if, if some is, if some is good, then more is better. And, and the only problem there is like, if you just keep, go if you just keep going and swimming, 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 and getting your shoulders more and more internally rotated and switching off your whole, mm -hmm. whole, poster whole posterior chain, uh, and the and ditto on the bike, you know, hunched over on the TT bars after you've been hunched over a laptop all day. And same, mm -hmm. you know, same on the same on the run with like super, uh, you know, I mean, sitting is the worst. Sitting is the worst thing to be doing, like sitting at a desk after running like m miles in the morning or whatever. Um, 
so I guess my my long-winded point here is like we we have to be we have to keep our bodies and to reference that point I guess like we have to keep our bodies moving in the most efficient way despite mm-hmm. all of all of like despite all these 21st century things that are working mm-hmm. actually working against us now as athletes um so maybe do you want to give us a flavor of what some of those things might be for for the triathlete like what if somebody pr- comes into the gym and that you're new athlete sure. for you to work with um, so yeah so first of all you know for some we may not have access to a gym right mm. and i want to make this so easy that you can do these things wherever and yeah. you can start with body weight exercises and you can be pretty dangerous just mm-hmm. doing different body weight body weight exercises and then of course you can load yourself up with different equipment and gear but yeah. we don't have to get super fancy it just it just needs to be consistent and effective so where i like to start most of my athletes i find it perfectly reasonable to spend two to three sessions in the gym and i would say look keep it easy three sessions in the winter if it's more off season and you're doing a little bit less on your swim bike run and maybe drop it down to two sessions when you're in season and that part of the training is is keeping up but you're never letting it go that's three sessions a week three sessions a week or two sessions a week is that what you're referencing yes basically you're never going to zero sessions is my point right even in your peak training yeah mm -hmm. strength in the gym always always has a place in the program yeah. The yeah. four movements that I really like everyone to master and to start with is the squat, the lunge, mm-hmm. uh, push-up, and the burpee. And okay. from a basic calisthenic movement, if I understand squatting, I am improving mobility in my ankles and my hips from a flexion mm-hmm. standpoint. I'm learning how to hinge a little bit at the hips, load up and stabilize the spine start to access my powerful hamstrings, quads, glutes, and how they all work together. I'm mm-hmm. not going to talk too much specifically about any muscle group because to a certain degree, if I can focus on mechanics and movement, mm-hmm. the right muscles will be firing together as they should. Mm-hmm. Yep, makes um, sense. If I can do a lunge, all of a sudden I'm introducing extension, which is super powerful. Getting my hip or leg behind me, there's a little bit more balance and stability required that rear foot i'm starting to get a little bit more into uh extension of the toes and the big toes and the plantar fascia and just how important that is and the ability to push and drive off that back foot to really extend the hips forward um, if i can do the push-up all of a sudden i learn how to load and stabilize my shoulders in a really mm-hmm. good position again incredible core stabilizer and i want to talk about just Tension, the ability to create tension in the whole body to create positions. And this is Mm -hmm. where Evelyn struggled, right? She could get into a basic plank. She's an educated athlete. She's in touch with her body. Mm -hmm. She she just, you know, was not a practice movement because she was just spending so much time on the bike. And she was like, oh man, I got to relearn how to do this a little bit. How to load the shoulders up in the right way. Um, And then the burpee is fun. I start to add a little bit more movement, some jumping and landing in the feet. Um, a little bit more my dynamic speed and just to see how that all fits together yeah yeah that that is is fascinating and then just out of interest how long did it take uh obviously it's different with different individuals and when you're working with a world-class athlete it's obviously going to be different but how long did it take for some of that work in the gym to translate out onto the road out onto the bike so there's different adaptations we have right some are neuromuscular 
mm-hmm. and they're pretty fast, yeah. right? If, if I have an athlete who's just struggling, it's like their brain has, is taking a very circuitous route to that specific muscle and yep. it's trying to figure out the pathway. With more practice and reps, all of a sudden it becomes a two-lane, a three-way, and like an eight-lane highway and just instant. Then I'm in the yeah. the HOV lane and I'm bypassing all the traffic whatsoever and I'm just cruising. Yeah. Yeah. So those adaptations can happen pretty quickly with mm-hmm. just those reps and that practice. The physiological ones where you're actually stressing and strengthening muscle fibers, et cetera, you know, generally a couple weeks, you know, you would say like kind of six weeks is kind of like a good place to to start seeing, you know, bigger gains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's really interesting you talk about the neuromuscular work because sometimes in the gym, I I can see the difference between like, say I'm doing, um, I don't know, split squat or some a reverse lunge or Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, and maybe on the first, on the first round of those exercises, you're a little bit wobbly, like you're mm-hmm. still, your brain, like you can, you can tell like the brain, the neuromuscular mm-hmm. patterns are still kind of like figuring out the, mm-hmm. the, H, the HOV lane. Right. And then by yeah. round, by round two or round three, that movement is so much smoother mm-hmm. and you, or you're balanced better, or you, you've got that tension in your body that you need in order to execute each rep. Um, so I always find that like the geek in me always finds that like almost like monitoring myself, watch it, watching myself. It's like, oh yeah, look, this is my, my, my brain, my, my neuromuscular system is doing what it, what it should. Uh, yeah. and obviously that's different, that's different for, for everybody. And, uh, yeah. And I realized we've kind of gone off on, ta- on, a, on a little neuromuscular yeah. tangent well, there, but strength, strength is really a curious word because we use it in a lot of different contexts. Mm. I mean, Kay, you looked really strong today. Right, like you finished so strong today, or man, they were just strong up that hill, or man, that yeah. athlete is just strong. They can squat in the gym. Like, like, what are we talking about? Is it mental resilience? Is it the ability to stay focused and to finish fast and to suffer, mm-hmm. or is it you know power output, raw power output, and force production in the gym? You know, like we kind of use strength very fluidly to cover a lot of situations, but. Where the neuromuscular piece comes in and where I find it helps to everything come together is position. My mm-hmm. ability to maintain key important athletic positions from yes. first to last pedal stroke. Yes. And we could take the example of a plank. I've yet to meet the person who can hold a plank for infinity, right? It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really exist. Oh, I learned the other day, random side note fact, I learned the other day that the world record is 18 hours for planking. Insane. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's Which so also crazy. leads to all kinds of like logistical questions like what? Uh, how are you eating, <laughs> drinking, peeing? How are you doing that? Any, anyway, sorry. Like uh, let's come I, back I, around. To- <laughs> I, you know, I was like, maybe I do or don't want to watch that video. I'm not really sure, but incredible. Yeah. Right. And so it, it goes to say that we all have our limits as athletes. It doesn't matter who you are. You're trying to hold a certain pace for a certain amount of time and you can hold it for an hour. You can't hold it for 70 minutes yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a huge component of all those things is tied to your ability to maintain good mechanics for longer periods. And Mm -hmm. we have to start talking about injuries in this context too, because there's really two categories of injuries. One is you took that corner a little too fast and you you flipped over like I did, um, or like I'm sure other athletes have, and you've broken something or you got yourself banged up, right? Like a, a trauma acute moment that happened, you learn from it and you sort of move on. And maybe there's some residual 
damage to the body that needs to be sorted out. But the vast majority of injuries are overuse. Yes. And the mechanical uh, you know, metaphor or, or example would be you're driving with your tires just a little out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they start chewing through that rubber a little bit more yep. quickly than they would otherwise. And it's not to say that your tires won't wear down, but they're going to start to wear down faster. So if you're running, yeah. all of a sudden, your hips drop, your knee collapses, and all of a sudden, you're introducing all these little wobbles. Yep. And maybe they're fine for the first couple weeks of your training or the first few months. Or you were able to get away with that for the first two or three years of your training. Yeah. But then they start to catch up. And it's and it's the and it's these things that obviously will yeah lead to injury or lead you to be sidelined or, or be uncomfortable when you're working out and not enjoy not enjoy things as much as you not enjoy mm. swimming biking and running as much as you should or could, and th- I think they're the reason that, that that's one of the main reasons I think why it is worth investing the time in the gym to mm-hmm. to be to to have your wheels aligned correctly to to extend your metaphor like to to be in alignment. To be working as efficiently as you could be, because mm-hmm. who, who wouldn't who wouldn't want to be working like moving as efficiently as as you could be? And I think probably to to come all the way back to like the first question that uh, I asked about what why do we want to do strength? You know, mm-hmm. injury injury prevention and efficiency. Mm-hmm. I I think you tell me otherwise, but are probably like two of the top top reasons. They're they're huge, but like I, I want this to be very clear. We should not be trading. Uh, safety for or, or or injuries for performance. They're really two sides of the same coin. The positions mm-hmm. and the mechanics that are going to make me more safe and stable are also going to be the same position mechanics that are going to make me more powerful and efficient as a yeah. runner or as yeah. a triathlete, more resilient, yeah. more robust. So right. there's it's really a win-win in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously, I guess as we progress through the through the season, through the calendar mm. year, the the focus points and the and the reasons why we might be doing strength, might be spending time in the gym, or might be working out at home, whatever, mm-hmm. um, they change. There's a different complexion to them, right? Um, so maybe in the winter, it's about building strength, building uh, building resilience, building that foundation. Maybe in the spring or early summer, it's about adding a little pep to your step, you know, um, a little bit of plyo work, plyometric work mm-hmm. or something to bring some, add some spring to you. Um, so kind of like a two-parter question here. Um, what does strength look like for you as a coach? What does programming look like for you um, through, as we move through the, as we move through the season? Like what, yeah. how, how does it change? And what are the, and what are the different focal points as, as we move through the, through the season? So there is, you know, I I would probably say I'm a little more footloose and fancy free to a certain degree now Mm -hmm. because I realize how important it is when working with athletes just to respond to where they're at and to deal with the situations that they're there that that is like, how much time do I have with them? How much time are they able to come in? I might have this grand plan, but really they just need this in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. So th- there's always going to be a little bit of that. But if I were to have my druthers and kind of paint things all out from a theoretical standpoint, you know, you definitely see some level of periodization. And the mm-hmm. first is just going to be getting you loaded under a bar 
practicing a little bit where there's yep. just a bit of adaptation. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I kind of started with the squat lunge, push up and burpee. But if I'm mm-hmm. in the gym, that could be a back squat, a deadlift, mm-hmm. an overhead shoulder press and a pull up, right? Mm-hmm. Those would be kind of the big gym movers that I would hit. Notice that I did not say leg press machine. I did mm-hmm. not say quad extension machine. Mm-hmm. I did not say hamstring curl machine. And I did not say lat pull down machine. Right. I said back squat, deadlift, and I'm smiling as I say this, shoulder press or push press and a pull up. Because yep. what we've done in the past, and I feel like this is something that's starting to change, thankfully, is that we've tried to take our athletes experience in the gym and de-risk it. And mm-hmm. I just wrote an article for you on this, right? So hitting yes, some of those yeah. points. We will uh, um, reference that in the show notes for anybody that's listening and wants to read that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the quick hit of it is uh, we try to make our experience in the gym safer mm-hmm. by limiting the range of motion of our movements and by taking some of the technical aspects of those movements out. Hey, mm-hmm. instead of doing a squat, all oh, that's kind of hard. I don't really know what I'm doing. This is this is challenging. I just feel much safer and more comfortable on a leg press machine. Mm-hmm. And it's like you will, but you're not going to get as much athletic skill development in the gym and translation yeah. to outside that's actually going to make you safer. So in this weird world, embracing the more technical stuff in the gym is going to give you the tool set to be safer as an athlete yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely know that, like, there's people who would prefer to get on machines versus get under free weights, right? But I think mm-hmm. there's an element there of like, as once you hone the right technique mm-hmm. with, with that without load, right? And th- then you th- when you've got that nailed, then you can bring in load, and obviously the risk of injury yeah. drops way down, way down, and it the really... risk and and the benefits and the rewards come right up because yeah, you've got the technique they... and you and you're doing it under load and. You've got that, like it, you say, that range of movement. It really does. Now, you know, getting back to your original question, is that you can tell I like to go <laughs> off on little tangents, um, is to, you know, start with some practice in the gym based on your level where you're just starting mm-hmm. on these basic movements. And the reps and ranges could be anywhere from, you know, I usually like to start athletes in like the 25 to 30 total rep range. Oh, okay. And like it could be three sets of 10, but I would much rather see something like five sets of five, five sets mm-hmm. of six. And I like smaller reps versus higher reps because I feel like every rep, it's like swinging a golf club. I want to mm-hmm. focus on each one. And if I start loading reps too much, then it just becomes task completion mode. I'm just going mm-hmm. through the yep. motions. Yep. Now, one of the things that I find interesting is about heavyweight is, well, how much is heavy enough when I start to transition to heavier loads and, and how mm-hmm. do I progress there? Mm-hmm. And a curious thing is that if I were to back squat with a PVC pipe or mm-hmm. something empty, I'm actually not getting enough feedback from the load to yeah. actually make adjustments to my form to even get it better. So yeah. I wanna be very careful here if we progress too heavy, too quick, and it feels sketchy and it doesn't feel good, that's not safe. But if we mm-hmm. stay too light, we're not even able to give ourselves the opportunities to develop the awareness of what our body's doing. 
And yeah. that's where finding that sweet spot initial load where you're not thinking about the email you're writing. You're not talking to your friend anymore. You're <laughs> yep. noticing the balance shifts from your heel to your toe. You're feeling that collapse of your foot. Yep. That's the opportunity. And we want athletes to not necessarily be perfect in the gym. Like it's okay to intelligently fail a little bit because when mm -hmm. you fail a little bit, you start to uncover the areas that you're, you need most attention, that you're a little bit of weak yep. on. Yeah, that is the greatest teacher, I think, you know, like, uh, and, and like you say, when you're under some load, mm -hmm. you, there is nowhere to hide. You have mm -hmm. to, you, you have to learn or your body soon, or you, I think you soon learn the, the correct way to move that weight, to lift that mm -hmm. weight, you know, whether it's deadlifting, squatting, what have you. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you referenced uh, heavy weights there. So, and that's obviously something that's quite... That's something that I, I feel like is in, in the endurance space is something that's talked about a fair fair amount now. We we hear uh, we hear plenty of coaches talking about what lifting heavy, especially at this time of year. Mm. So is mm -hmm. that something you're an advocate for? And um, yeah, yeah, talk, talk so, to us about that. Yeah, so I feel like <laughs> heavy lifting. You can go back. I, I've I've been writing about this for probably the last eight years you know, yeah, on, so it's on the different places. Yeah, so it's actually not that trendy of a topic. Yeah. Well, it, it is, it is, and I'm glad that it's moving more, but it's, it's something that I discovered and I didn't think I was supposed to do when in my competitive triathlete days. It just seemed like the dangerous, most sketchy thing. Why would you do that? This is going to mm. crush your legs. Mm -hmm. And I sort of realized it is like such complementary energy systems. Like hormonally, mm. the response yes. you get from heavy lifting um, like your body only naturally releases human growth hormone in a few stages. It's like when you're asleep, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and, and then when you're doing things that require this big anabolic response, like, mm -hmm. like lots of rest, heavy lifts in between. And so literally if you're in a, a, a bigger base phase of your training, for example, or even in between races mm -hmm. and you are dragging, you're tired, everything feels mm -hmm. sluggish. Yep. These sessions, if you're practiced, can get you back. So oh, heavy lifting yeah. can help you recover, not just make you a more powerful, stronger athlete. And yep. I had a specific moment where I remember um, it was two days before I was doing this a team time trial with a triathlete buddy. Mm -hmm. We were on a team Pacific Bicycles in the Bay Area. And it was around, uh, it was like a 10 mile loop. And we were doing it together, we're drafting off each other. And I was mm -hmm. in the gym two days before, and my coach wanted me to do something crazy, which I never would have done because I'd never heard about it. And I just thought it was good. He wanted me to find a three rep max deadlift. I've mm. been working my deadlift the last couple uh, months, so I felt comfortable with the movement. He had done all the physical prep, I had done all the progressions. So it mm -hmm. wasn't an unfamiliar thing. And at the time, I probably weighed a little under 160 pounds mm -hmm. and I deadlifted 275. Nice. I was really excited. Nice. I then proceeded two days later to ride my teammate off my wheel, who was normally a better <laughs> cyclist than me. Yep. And so this idea that strength training will hurt your ability to swim, bike, run in the short term is 
it, that kind of pierced that bubble for me a little bit. I was like, wait a minute, there is something going on here that I don't oh, fully understand. Yeah, yeah um, I know. I know plenty of strength coaches who will say like, oh, you know, they're coaching, whether they're coaching elites or like very good age groupers who will say like an athlete comes in to the gym for a workout and they're, they're like you say, they're dragging, like they're tired, like hormonally they are just, all that endurance training is just mm-hmm. like, boom, it, it hits hard, yeah. right? We, we both know how that feels. And, but by the end of like a 30, 45, 50 minute lift session, they, they're, they're popping, they're back up, they're, they're back up. Like that, like you say, that hormone, hormonal response is not only have they got the benefits of the strength work they've just done, but the, homo- mm-hmm. the hormonal response is just like a game changer, I think, for yeah. endur- especially endurance athletes who are really covering some volume. Like if you're in the midst of a big Ironman uh, training block, like that, that fatigue that comes with that, like heavy, yeah. uh, that heavy volume, mm-hmm. I think is re- you know, the perfect antidote to that sometimes is like that kind of heavy lifting session in the gym. Totally. Now, that's it if you're if you're newer to this and yeah. you you're not familiar with how your body responds, the off season is the perfect time to right. start to experiment with it. And the reason why I was sort of telling that story was that I was learning how I responded and how my athletes responded. And so mm-hmm. I was able to strategically keep some of that heavy lifting in in their yeah. season and yeah. around their races, but Yeah. The big asterisk to that is it was built on a mutual understanding and practice. We have been starting this earlier in the season when we felt like we could take bigger risks in the gym because you weren't training as much and you didn't have huge performance benchmarks to hit outside. And then we learned, hey, what's working and not working for you? And then keep those things in. And for me, what I sort of realized was like, oh, I can keep this heavy lifting in for a lot of my athletes and they really respond well. Others- It freaks them out. They don't like to do it. They never liked yeah. heavy lifting. You know what? That's fine. We'll 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 deload you. We'll find a weight that makes sense for you and yeah. and, and keep it there. Yeah, it is def- yeah, we should definitely preface this by saying it is very unique to the individual. And I would never ever advocate somebody uh just popping into the gym to to lift heavy in race week if they haven't been doing this for months and months in advance mm-hmm. and they don't and they don't already know what response that how their body's yep. going to respond um yeah that's definitely something we should underscore there i think mm. but um and then you just so you just referenced their uh athletes who are newer to you know, maybe a, mm-hmm. a beginner somebody who's new to triathlon they're mm-hmm. still getting into the swing of like swim balancing swim bike run training maybe the thought of adding a fourth discipline or like mm-hmm. a, you know something else to the plate seems a little bit overwhelming how do you typically start out with or what's what's your advice to those kind of those athletes who are just coming into the sport and they say to you ah oh, gee I, I don't know whether i can fit that in like 100 it's it's tricky and so that's where we say hey we don't really need to be in the gym at all necessarily. If you right. don't find joy there, if it is inconvenient, you know, scheduling uh, <laughs> pool schedules with weather to time to get on the bike. If you've got kids, mm-hmm. if you've got a job, like it's a lot. You know, I trained yeah. as a triathlete for years and and I get it. And the the thought now of going back to two a days or three a days, all depending, just is like, oh, I I'm I'm good. Yeah. I'm happy with yeah. my my one hour workout a day. Uh, little mini sessions go a long way. You can right. do a lot even in only 15 or 20 minutes where, right. you know, you do, a, a, I would say, a do a squat and 
push-up ladder. Maybe you start mm -hmm. with two reps of each, then you do four of each, six, eight, 10. That's 30 reps right there. Mm -hmm. And then you could do the same thing with lunges and burpees. That would mm -hmm. be a 10 to 15 minute workout. It hits those movements I was talking about. You do a little mm -hmm. bit of hip and shoulder warm up, maybe a little mobility cool down. You've got a nice 15, 20 minute session right there. Yep. You wanna progress it, uh, throw a bunch of soup cans in a backpack, uh, nice. Hold your bike overhead. You know, hold your baby. You know, <laughs> hold your, hold baby, your dog. Yeah. You know. Hey, I, I know plenty <laughs> of I know I know plenty of people who just holding their kids alone has led to kind of all kinds of like imbalances. Sure. And so, like, even being to reference your point way earlier in the show about mm -hmm. being strong, being strong enough for life and being strong mm -hmm. enough for training, being strong enough to hold your kids and not get injured is is um can actually be like a legit legit thing. I think. But, yeah. Um, and and so, you know, you can really start there and then, you know, you could get a dumbbell or a kettlebell and, and then just go yeah. from that respect. Um, yeah. You know, lifestyle is an interesting component to this. You know, I yeah. think as a younger coach and athlete, I really underestimated that. And I really felt yeah. like, oh, if I just focus on the drills and the strength, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember there's like 168 hours in the week mm -hmm. and the one to two hours you spend strength training, it's really gonna be hard to to combat the other 166 hours of the week of you moving around like a lump, yeah. you know? So it's so important and it really, uh, what would I think? Like it, it, it kind of 10Xs your strength gains if you can carry over some good key healthy habits from a day-to-day -day standpoint. One yeah. is sitting less and standing more. And if you're someone who sits down all the time, my challenge for you would be, hey, could I start for the next week, could I, could I stand for work, one level or mm -hmm. another, for 30 minutes or an hour a day, just for that mm -hmm. week? Mm -hmm. And the next week, could I move to an hour and a half, two hours and, and potentially progress from there? That might look like, do I have the ability to have a standing desk? That might mm -hmm. be able to, hey, every time I have a phone call, can I stand up and walk around? Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot more flexibility now that a lot of us aren't in offices, um, you know, or even yeah. in offices, you know, we sort of have that. So that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, shoes. We have seen the advent of the super cushioned high stack mm -hmm. shoes. Yeah. And they are fantastic tools for helping us cover miles that we normally wouldn't be able to cover and recover more quickly in between. Mm -hmm. However, we need to give our feet an intrinsic opportunity to be strong themselves. And yes. if I sit in these little foot cradle pillow things all the time, my feet are just going to turn to mush. So mm -hmm. wear your hokas in your Ironman. Wear them in your 12-mile tempo run. Don't wear them when you go to the grocery store. Yeah. Don't wear them at home. Don't wear them when you're not doing a serious long training. Don't wear them when you're you're doing your three to five mile run. Wear wear another shoe. Don't uh, wear, is, them, is don't wear them in the gym. Don't wear them in the gym. You know, right. I would yeah. take a lot of my athletes and I'd either get a barefoot in the gym or getting something as as minimal as possible. Where literally the shoe is just protective. 
and it's a little piece of rubber in the ground. Now, for those yeah. of you who are dealing with some sort of foot issue, right? Like let's say you do need orthotics for the time, you know, let's talk about a step, let's talk about an exit strategy. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know anyone who woke up one morning and like, hey, you know, not much going on today. It's like, I think I'm going to call my podiatrist and get some orthotics. That just seems like a fun <laughs> way to spend my Saturday. It's usually like, oh my gosh, I'm behind the eight ball. My foot's killing me and I have this 70.3 in three weeks. What do I do? And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they find themselves in orthotics and then the orthotics kind of drift from their training shoes to their cycling shoes. Then it's in their day-to-day shoes and then they're just wearing them all the time. Yeah. And I'm not saying to be very clear that those aren't an important tool. What I am saying is we need to be thoughtful about our exit strategy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wear these forever. How Mm -hmm. do I get out of the damn things? Yeah. So (laughs) how can I start to strengthen them, spend less time in them, step down into shoes that are a little bit less stable, start working on other complementary aspects like foot strength exercises, single leg balance and single leg exercises that are going to give my hips, knees and ankles a chance to take up some of that load. Yeah. 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 So you, um, as you mentioned there, like hips, knees and ankles, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, are there particular body parts, parts of the body that as triathletes, you triathletes should really be mindful of and think and areas of the body that we should really be working on strengthening or improving, you know, um, are there, are there top line thing, part, body parts that you always, when you, when you start working with, with new athletes that you always pinpoint or is it a whole body, a whole body plan? Uh, I like doing movements that are whole body. If I can get an athlete, just a squat or an overhead squat, um, Mm -hmm. that screening, that is such an effective screening tool. Um, a good coach can tell pretty quickly how you move just by having you go through a few basic things. They can see limitations in your ankle, your knees and your hips. They can see if you're guarding something, if you're balancing Mm -hmm. weights a little bit off, they can look at you know, how your spine moves, extension through the spine, all, all of this. Um, and if you were to make the squat even more difficult by having them do an overhead squat with something overhead, all of a sudden we start to introduce even more mobility challenges. Mm-hmm. I would say that one of the more important places for athletes to start with is understanding their hips. Yes. And making yep. sure that their hips are moving really fluidly. Understanding mm-hmm. that it's a ball and socket joint that needs a fair amount of range, you know, mm-hmm. inflection and extension behind um, and, and and sort of all around. And, you know, doing mobility exercises that specifically open up those hips um, as well as strength exercises that kind of challenge your hip range of motion in either mm-hmm. direction. And a thing yeah. I've sort of learned over the years, Emma Kate, is that your range of motion is only as, your, is only as good as your ability to control it. And that mm. kind of gets back to this neuromuscular component. Mm-hmm. And my point is this. Some of us are super bendy, hypermobile, don't know how to stabilize our body. Mm-hmm. That is problematic. Mm-hmm. Other people, and this might be more common, you know, from the 21st century living, is that we're very stiff in certain areas. Yeah. And that is limiting and hindering our range of motion in certain ways. Yeah. I can only stretch my way out of position so much. I need to activate 
key muscles that, that open things up. So for example, a lot of us have really tight hip flexors. Mm -hmm. But if I am not getting myself into positions where I'm teaching myself hip extension mm -hmm. and activating my hamstrings and my glutes in a way that open up my hips, I'm never yep. going to open up my hip flexors. It's just never right. going to happen. So they, they right. it's a yin and yang to it. They really go together. Yeah, definitely. And if you think about how long the average person sits at a desk or sits in their car or you know wh whatever it is, that all of those all of those positions lead to the hips typically being closed. You know, there's there's no mm -hmm. extension. There is no extension in your hips as you are sitting at your desk for eight, eight yeah. hours. Um, yeah. So a really and, a really fun exercise just for your hips is just to like lunge in different directions with one leg. Like yeah. leave your left leg planted, lunge forward at like the twelve o'clock, lunge at mm -hmm. one o'clock, lunge at two yep. on the clock face, three, four, yep. five, six. So you've got six yep. lunges in at slightly different angles, and then carry yep. with the the other leg. Sorry to interrupt you oh, there. No, no, I just had that little thought. I, no, no. I was literally the next place I was going to was, can you give us some exercises for hip, ex yeah, opening your hips? Mm -hmm. So you read my mind. So all good. Um, totally. But the other thing I was thinking of, and this is something that I was doing when my run mileage was pretty high earlier in the year was, and I typically sit at my desk, at a laptop, you know, mm -hmm. most of the day. One of the things that I started doing uh, was to set a timer and on the, on the mm. hour, on the hour, every hour or every fifty minutes or whatever, was just getting up and doing some open, yeah, some hip openers, mm -hmm. um, you know, like split stance, yeah, like mm -hmm. lunging, or just like foam roller overhead, uh, yeah, split stance, opening, opening the hips, and just and I found that made such a difference, even if it was, and also it's kind of good in terms of like you get your eyes away from the laptop, you, you it know, really does, focus. yeah. Uh, so like mentally, it helps kind of re refocus you and. And obviously if you get your hips oh yeah that's i think mm. that's a really really big one because i think as triathletes we forget or we can overlook how much movement comes from the hips in in terms really of what does. we do like when you think and about it, swimming like your rotation comes from mm -hmm. hip hip rotation like your movement through the water mm -hmm. comes from hip rotation when you think about being in the tt position on the bike so much so much movement mm -hmm. comes from the hips and obviously running we know we know plenty about how, how important the, the hips are for, for efficient run form. So I think it's super easy to, to overlook that. Um, and, and as you start opening up your hips, you know, you do start opening up other areas of your body um, mm -hmm. in, in conjunction. It's really hard to actually like very specifically isolate things because the way our body's meant to move. Yeah. Um, so some of my favorite things are leg swings, mm -hmm. um, yep. you know, kind of reverse lunges is a great way to open up the, the yeah. rear. And then some, it's kind of like the long lunge in a yoga position. Sometimes I do mm -hmm. like some hip circles uh, mm -hmm. where I'm just really opening my hips up that way. What have, and, and those are all great pre-activity things. I'm mm -hmm. increasing body temperature, I'm activating muscles, I'm warming things up. I think mm -hmm. it's, t it's uh, tangential to this conversation, but not on it is, you know, how do I stretch? Should I stretch before I go and train or after? Yeah. And, you know, for me, the dynamic stuff is a great way to activate, warm, and increase range of motion. Yeah. And then once I finish my session, my body's a lot more open and ready to go into just a more static position or a hold for a longer mm -hmm. period of times. And, and one of my favorites is the couch stretch. Uh, yes. If anyone is familiar with that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, explain it to us. Uh, explain it for anybody in the audience that uh, isn't familiar with it as, yeah, as much so as you we can, can over, over can audio link... without video. <laughs> yeah, so we can link to some videos on this um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 akin to sort of the standing, what most people call the quad stretch, where you kind of reach back, you grab your ankle, and you're like, oh yeah, I feel a little stretch in in the anterior, the front of my quad and my hip. Mm-hmm. Instead of just you standing and, and balancing, what we're going to do is use a, a couch, a chair, a wall for a lot more leverage. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start on, on all fours against the wall. Uh, your knees are on the ground. Your hands are on the ground. And what you're going to do is you're going to back your right knee to the wall. So now that your shin is pointing straight up mm-hmm. against the wall. And you're mm-hmm. almost in like just like a little baby lunge. That's step number one. And from there, you're just going to push that right hip forward and you're going to start to feel a little bit of a stretch there. Yeah. Phase two, both hands are on the ground. And currently my left knee is sort of still on the ground too in a little tabletop position is I'm going to pull that left knee up into a lunge position. Mm-hmm. So now the right knee is, is on the floor, shin directly against the wall, left foot is out front now in a lunge position. Now all of a sudden, I have massively increased leverage on this kind of standing quad stretch. I'm literally pulling my femur back behind my body, pushing mm-hmm. my hip forward into massive extension. And I'm gonna yeah. start to get everything. Different aspects of my quad, um, deep intrinsic hip flexors, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, even abdominals. And then from there, I can start to pull my hands off the ground and I can get into a more upright position where I'm just increasing that extension. So yep. I personally do this stretch five minutes per side a day and I usually oh, nice. do it while I am uploading my Strava workout or I'm typing mm-hmm. some emails. So yep. yay for yep. multitasking. Multitasking, right? it's the way forward, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we can definitely we'll uh, we can link out to a, a video, a how-to video of that because it's definitely that's definitely a good one. Are there any others like that that you uh, that you incorporate daily that you would recommend or um, you like? So there's, I think that every week we be we should be hitting every major joint and body part at least twice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. every week, healthy baseline, I should be giving my quads a good foam rolling, my glutes, my hamstrings, my calves, the bottom of my feet, my lats, Mm -hmm. shoulders, pecs, everything. Mm -hmm. That sets a really good baseline so that when I start to go into my season and I start to get behind the eight ball a little bit, I can catch things so much more quickly because I know how my body's supposed to feel. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I just did this hard three days training. Yeah, walking up feels okay. Man, I my calves are so lit, way tighter yeah. and more painful than they normally are. That's really good information for you, your training plan, and your coach on how yeah. you should potentially moderate the next day or two. Yes. If you don't have that baseline, you go out on your run and your calf pulls eight miles in. You're like, oh man, this calf strain came out of quote unquote nowhere. Nowhere, yep. Where unless you got hit by an Uber, it didn't come out of nowhere, right? It was just right. there the whole time. Yeah. The next thing is, hey, if my calf, I'm behind the eight ball with my calf, what calf exercises or complementary calf exercises can I do on the daily to address that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my mobility recommendations are 15 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I should be hitting 
two major body parts a day, so much so that I'm kind of hitting every major body part as a baseline like twice a week. That should be our mm -hmm. standard. And yep. then if I'm behind the eight ball with specific things, you're giving yourself a little extra work on your feet or on your those, calves or yeah. your shins on, or whatever whatever yeah. you need. Whatever's presenting as, as maybe mm -hmm. problematic. Yeah, I really like that idea of like being able to do that almost like body scan. And and, mm -hmm. and get it, and get in tune with like oh yeah that's tight or that that feels good or I need to back off mm -hmm. that or yeah for sure I think that's that's a healthy habit or a, a worthwhile habit for any athlete yeah. of any ability any ability and any experience level to to work in and yeah as and to your point earlier you don't have to be in a gym to do that you can do that totally in, fr in front of the TV uploading Strava whatever you know, yeah whatever your whatever your jam is so uh, and yeah and pres and presumably you're you know you're lovely audience and, and publishers don't want me to swear. So I will stay own your stuff instead for <laughs> athletes who are training more and they're ramping up more mm. and they're going longer and they're like, man, I have less time to do these things. So it starts to slip. It's like, guess what? You're just driving that car of yours even more. So it needs more maintenance, not less. Yeah. So when sure. you start ramping up your training and you start knocking off bigger goals, Congratulations, you've just earned more time in the gym, more yes. time mobility and body work. And if you do that, it will, your body will thank you. For sure. And I think especially at this time of year when people are already starting to look ahead to the, the new year and making, you know, trying to change bad habits or introduce new ones. Um, I think that's, an, that's a habit or you know, part of a routine that people, that athletes of, yeah, athletes of all ages and abilities can they can only, you can only benefit from like working, like you say, working in your 15 minutes a day or 10 minutes a day uh, into your into mm -hmm. your routine and and getting and just getting more familiar with your body and all the all the different feels. I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, I was gonna say like, be general in the gym, be a good athlete, explore different movements that are whole body. The things you're a little scared or nervous of, take your time, but mm -hmm. try to find someone who can help teach you and embrace. I think so much of us for being triathletes is to is the adventure and to feel the empowerment yeah. of being able to do all these different sports. And when you can go from zero pull-ups to knocking out one, that feels really good. Yeah. That feels really strong. When you start to feel comfortable picking up a heavy bar, not only does that translate to swim bike run but that helps you move your friend's couch up the stairs or <laughs> you know get to that airport with your bike box you know there's oh, yeah. there's a lot of I functional mean, things from a life perspective that this tra makes a difference training for, training for life is an actual thing training for life is an actual thing um awesome. totally well thank you very much for joining us nate i definitely learned a lot over the course of our chat and i'm sure our listeners have too and uh yeah, we look forward to getting in the gym and getting stronger and fitter and faster. Thank you. Fitter and faster. Thank you so much, Emma Kate. I love it. <laughs> you bet. Cheers. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to subscribe to Triathlete Fitter and Faster wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like what you hear. Rate and review us as it helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. Next up, we're joined by Chris Foster, our executive editor and resident gear guru, who's going to talk us through some of the gear and equipment he's used in order to stay fit, strong and well while training from home. We look at all types of gear from some budget basics that do the job pretty well, all the way through to some higher end investments. Oh, and stay tuned for my final question to Chris, where we ask him what he wants from Tri Santa this year. <laughs>
Okay, here's our chat with Chris. Hey, hey, the gear guru is in the house. How are you, Chris Foster? I'm awesome. How are you doing, EK? I'm pretty well myself. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we're talking all things strength today. And I know you've got a nice uh, little gear guru list lined up to uh, to work through. Yeah. Which is going to which is uh, going to surprise and delight, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I know a lot of people, um, obviously triathletes need to be working on strength and, you know, you've had your coach already talk about that today. Um, yeah. but then I think a lot of people, you know, given the pandemic and, and honestly, I think even pre pandemic triathletes really like to, you know, we're just so time crunched. I mean, yeah. you know, we're doing three sports, um, and then you try to throw strength in there. So there's your fourth sport. You know, yeah. it's not like you're a, a runner running five days a week and then you throw in your strength workout. Um, you know, we're running, we're training two days a week, um, or I'm sorry, twice a day, probably six days a week. And then we try to throw in strength. Yeah. Who are you two days a week? I know. I wish. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm not very good. <laughs> um, but so I think a lot of triathletes try to do this stuff at home. Yes. Um, a lot of their strength training at home um, because, you know, it's another half an hour at least get to the gym, get to the locker room, blah, 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 and so on. Um, and not that many people like to work out from the gym, you know, so you're not doing your, your ride from the gym because that, you know, s creates a whole nother host of, uh, of logistical issues. So, yeah. um, so I think home is really where most triathletes are finding the gym, especially during the pandemic. So, yeah. um, that's, that's kind of where I, I picture most triathletes working out. So a lot of the strength stuff I want to talk about today is just going to be home, um, you know, stuff that doesn't take up a lot of space, yes. um, that kind of stuff. So I think that's what yeah, because uh, one, I mean, not just obviously Nate that we had talking in, earlier in the show was, was talking about the the uh, the importance of making it routine, and many mm. many coaches that we've had on the show in in previous episodes have all talked about making uh, this kind of work, whether it's strength work, whether it's mobility, whether it's kind of prehab any kind of preventative maintenance type work, it's got to be something that fits into your routine. And right. as we, as, as you mentioned, and as you referenced, like triathletes, age, you know, especially age group triathletes with busy lives, busy work lives, busy family lives, they are trying to fit in this, this, uh, these workouts whenever, whenever it works for their schedule, which can be 10 o'clock at night, could be 4am right. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously like that's, that kind of rules out the gym. So, so we'll say, we'll preface this by saying like this, we aren't going to go into great detail about stuff that you find in the gym. This is all going to be at home, yeah. at home, strength and conditioning, um, maintenance type, type gear. Yeah. Um, and I know the first one, of the, one of the first things on your list was the, the mighty TRX, which yeah. I feel like, I feel like during COVID the TRX was like, uh, yeah, the the savior. Yeah, well, you know, TRX is weird because it's at this point it's pretty old. I mean, it's got to be yeah. 10, 15 yeah. years, oh, yeah. something like that. Easily, yeah. Um, and you know, you kind of you see something like the TRX, and it's it's almost like that as seen on TV kind of thing, and, and you're like, <laughs> oh, it's going to go the way of all the other, you know, home whatever. Um, but the reality of it is, it's not crazy expensive. I mean, they're yeah. I think they're on. I looked today, they're on sale like 140 bucks. Um, on up to like 300 for these all-inclusive systems with all sorts of little extras that they've created. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it fits into like a, a shoe bag, basically, yeah. you know, yeah. so you stash it anywhere. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's basically just a strap system um, that hangs either off your ceiling, you know, off a supportive beam or a stud. Um, or I think people put it in their doorways too. Uh, I've never yeah, used it I've that way. Yeah, I've put it in way. a car door before. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that car door. I've seen, I've seen on TV. Yeah. yeah um, it's like van yeah. life stuff. So there you go. So you could, you can use it almost anywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it weighs more than two pounds. Okay. Oh, it's so, super convenient. Yeah. So this is, you know, later we'll talk about, you know, the traditional weight stuff, which obviously weighs what it weighs. Um, but a TRX just uses straps that connect to an anchor point. Um, it uses your own body weight. Um, it uses these angles, you know, you put it at different angles and you put your legs and your feet and your hands in different configurations. Um, and you can end up creating, you know, a ton of resistance, um, only a little bit of resistance. Um, and then there's the other dimension to it, which is like, you know, you're using it in a dynamic way, you know, you're using movement with it. Yes. Um, rather than just lifting up and down, you're, you're using these side to side planes, you're trying to hold yourself, um, you know, against, you know, gravity or the strap pulling you in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the reason why TRX is stuck around. I mean, aside from mm -hmm. its portability and its affordability, it's like, it just works so many different things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's core, it's raw strength, it's, um, those little tiny muscles, you know, um, your balance. Um, yeah, it's, it's super all encompassing. And I think you could probably, you could, I'm sure there, there are plenty of people who could put together like a 45 minute or longer workout using just the TRX and oh, yeah. you would walk away from that and be drilled. Oh yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of the upside downside of the TRX. I feel like yeah, it's like, you it can works make it as hard. so well, but yeah, yeah. but like the, I think part of the reason, and you know, like we're going to be realistic. A lot of people buy TRXs and then they sit in a little bag because they use them for a month or whatever. And the reality is it can be super hard and it, it can evolve with your, you know, your abilities. Mm. Um, so it's always hard. You know, I feel like yeah. sometimes, you know, you bench, you hit your max bench and, you know, there you are and you just, you're there, you know, you do that. Um, but there's just so many dimensions with the TRX. So it's like, it's like one of those puzzles that never quite gets finished. And so yes. it's always like this, I mean, which is good, you know, you, you should always be, you know, muscle, muscle confusion. I'm sure coaches have talked about that, um, to help injury proof, whatever that weakness is, but it's also this thing that always points out your weakness. <laughs> it's like having yeah. that, that like uh, critical roommate or parent, <laughs> you know, I'm yes. personifying the TRX. It's like this yeah. highly it's critical like, aunt or uncle. It always finds your flaws. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you never quite master it. Like you can right. always find a diff, more difficult exercise. Exactly. Um, and in fact, this is going to send me off after we've finished recording, this is going to send me off down a YouTube rabbit hole and I'm going to find some TRX, some different, different levels of TRX exercises and include them in the show notes. So people can, Good. wherever you are in your TRX journey, yeah. whether, you know, you know, maybe this is the perfect time in the new year, January 1st, new year's resolution that you're going to dig out your dusty old TRX and, uh, yeah, I'll throw some, some links to some TRX uh, moves into the show notes so that we've, uh, we can, you can, yeah, if you need some inspo to get back on your TRX, we'll, yeah. we'll provide that for you here at Triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're awesome. They're awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, it's not the kind of thing you're really going to be able to injure yourself on. Um, you know, we spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of time talking about it, but it is something that's stuck around for a reason. And I mean, I know yeah. when I worked with Siri Lindley, she used it high level, you know, pros at the top, top level use it. Yes. Um, uh, even though it, it has that as seen on TV status sometimes. So <laughs> still very, very useful. Very. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have one and yeah. And I do incorporate it into most of my, most of my workouts. So yeah, I do. Good for I, you. They are rated. Uh, Mine's in the dust then, bag. Oh, come on, Chris. Come <laughs> on, the gear so guru. I know. It's so hard. I'm going to slack you these TRX links <laughs> no. when I find them in a minute. 
Uh, <laughs> we'll name and shame you. Um, <laughs> but you were also, you'd also reference the Swiss ball or stability yeah. ball. Or, uh, yeah. Um, so I feel like TRX, um, you know, it's, it's, it does a lot. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's simpler things too. I think that target more specific things that it might be easier for people to get their, their heads around. Um, they can have a little more therapeutic use too. I don't think there's yes. a ton of therapeutic stuff, maybe with a roller with TRX. Um, but yeah, something like the Swiss ball, some people call them yoga balls or stability balls. Um, those are one of those things, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Um, you know, they're about the size of, I don't know, like a, a couple chairs sitting together with no back, um, yep. for anyone who's never seen one. Um, and you know, they mostly, they work your core, um, but they can have a lot more like, you know, therapeutic, um, you know, effect. Um, you can use it for stability, which is really big for triathletes, um, you know, yes. moving in different planes. Yes. Um, but it's not quite as aggressive, I think, as, uh, as the TRX can be. Yeah. Um, and you can use it to like, you know, basic things like, you know, bench workout. And instead of doing it on a bench, you do it on your, your Swiss ball. Yes. Um, yes or a yes, plank. Yes. Instead of a plank on the ground, you do it on the Swiss ball. And it adds an extra dimension um, that I think is really key for triathletes. And like I said, super cheap. Um, yeah. And definitely also uh, things like, you know, push-ups with your feet on the yeah. Swiss ball and, pull, you know, pulling in, making it, or, or hamstring curls, that kind of thing. Like, a very similar to the TRX, I think just a very, very versatile piece of equipment that once you've got, you can find myriad ways to use it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it'll really like kind of bolster some of your existing, some of the basics that you're probably pretty good at, um, yes. that it'll kind of add another dimension, which I think is cool. Um, yeah. which is typically, you know, the thing, once you master something, especially with strength, you've got to add another dimension to make it continually, yeah. um, be effective. Um, yeah, because the body's always learning and adapting, and, want, and something it used to find difficult now finds easy. So it's time to like exactly, exactly. nudge the ball a little bit you know, further down the nudge down the difficulty Swiss scale. Ball. Nudge yeah. the Swiss Swiss ball further down the go. difficulty uh, <laughs> spectrum. Yeah, right. And you could even you could even people do people still do, wait, when when I used to work in the office, people used to sit and work on oh, their yeah. Swiss balls at yeah, their desks. People still do that. So you know, um, showing. Showing, yeah, remembering life pre-COVID when we all used to sit in an office. But yeah, so you could even sit in, I guess that's a good core workout and helps keep your posture maybe yeah. a little better than it does if you're... Oh, it definitely would. I remember, an off, I remember an office episode where Dwight gets a Swiss ball and Jim pops it with a pair of scissors. <laughs> there you go. Pop culture <laughs> reference. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. The tangents have started already. <laughs> Uh, uh, so next on your list is one that when I saw it on the list, I was like, what's this? Uh, yeah. Cor core wheels. Core Cortal. wheels. So I don't know if there's a better generic term for this, but um, you see them sometimes. Typically, people will use them at the gym. They're a single wheel, um, you know, maybe a foot in diameter um, with two handles on either side. Mm -hmm. And you'd use, you know, you'd like kneel and like run it out in front of you or run it to yes. the left, run it to the right. Um, yes. So that's kind of, I guess, what I was thinking overall. Um, mm -hmm. I've used, those are a great way to kind of enhance core workouts, um, and yeah. just make them way tougher, mm -hmm. um, depending on, you know, the angle and how far out you go. Um, that requires a lot of adaptation. I've done those before. Um, and then I've seen even taken it a step further is use two core wheels. It's, it's kind of the opposite. It's got wheels on either side of a handle mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of looks like a roller, like a giant rollerblade wheel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use those. You can go wide with them. You can keep them together. You can, um, I think you can put your ankles on them and do some kind of ankle stuff. Um, so that's another thing similar to the Swiss ball, you know, 30 bucks, not going to cost you a lot, easy to store. Um, but it's going to add another dimension to something you've probably already mastered. Like mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't say if you're doing no core work at all, mm-hmm. I would not say get the core wheels and do the, the hardest core wheel workout you can. Like you will be wrecked. Um, yes, that feels like hard. it's probably more of an advanced move to add yeah. in when you've already done a bunch of core work and you're more proficient. Absolutely. Yeah. This would be, if if you're like going like the different levels, I think Swiss ball is probably like the first thing after crunches and regular planks. And then if you're like, I'm past Swiss balls, I need, I really want to burn and get in deep on my core. Um, maybe work some kind of obliques and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, other stability stuff. I think core wheels are good next step after that, because you do have the opportunity to kind of, you know, you can work your back a little bit and it can get up, you know, if your posture is not great, um, they can be, they can kind of tweak you a little bit. Um, yeah. but that, that's a good, another kind of next level up, um, for the core stuff. Yeah. And just with those three pieces of equipment alone, you've, you've suddenly got a pretty decent like home gym setup whereby yeah. you can, you can work your body in several planes of motion, movement and motion and, and build out quite a cool different and entertaining routine or right. worthwhile and, and, routine. And the three things we've talked about don't involve any weights. At yes. All. So this is I mean, all, that, yeah, very important. Right. This is all body weight stuff. So if yeah. you are just starting out on the strength, on the strength program journey, then yeah, all good yeah. stuff to, to begin with. Yeah. And you know, you're not going to be intimidated by, you know, how much do I need to lift or whatever. It's all about angles and where you put your yeah. feet and where you put your hands and things like that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause you can get pretty, you can get pretty strong and you can get in good shape with just body weight alone oh, you know, to, when you're starting, especially when you're starting out and you don't want to throw in too much weight to, to begin with. Um, but when it comes to weight and mm-hmm. weights, you, uh, you have referenced the weighted packs, the, um, yeah. So once, once you start throwing weight into it, um, I'm still, you know, like most coaches, I'm not a coach, but like most coaches are, um, big fan of things that are you know, kind of off balance and kind of, you know, lots of different planes of motion. Um, and yeah. I love these weighted packs. Um, you see them, um, you know, like giant gym dudes use these sandbag filled, um, things yes. to throw around, you yes. know, and the big, these big, like loud dynamic movements. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about for triathletes. We don't need, you know, monstrous explosive stuff. This isn't, um, you know, CrossFit or whatever, but, um, but it has a place, um, you can fill it with different levels of weight, you know, you use sand or water. Um, they typically have straps all over them so you can grab them in different ways. Um, you can use, you know, both hands or whatever. And again, it's just like a near infinite amount of options on these Mm -hmm. packs. Um, and because they're, you know, they're soft and they're a little fluid and, um, you know, you have to stabilize as you're using it. So you're using the tiny little muscles. You're not just using straight up, straight down. Um, which is, you know, obviously huge for triathletes, you know, we need to work in different planes, um, because we're so forward and backward or just forward, I guess, probably not backward. Hopefully. If you're Um, going backwards, something's gone really badly wrong. wrong. You're probably me. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. You're probably me kicking on a kickboard in a pool. If you're going backwards, (laughs) that that's what I, but yeah, I think a lot of strength coaches would agree that one of the, one of the key things to do and think about in the gym for triathletes is like, we are always moving in a forward motion. So yeah. learning to la- move laterally is very important and, and mix it up and kind of get yeah. the body, to, get the body and brain to, to, to move and track differently. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about the weighted pack, um, I have one and it's like this tiny company and maybe there's other brands out there, but um, it's called MPAC, E-M-P-A-C-K. Mm-hmm. Um, it popped up just before the pandemic. I got one right as the pandemic hit and it's amazing. It's like, it's this cool looking canvas kind of backpack with straps all over it. Um, and it has backpack straps. so You could carry it somewhere else. Um, and then you fill it with these cylindrical bladders, either water or sand. So you can do, you know, 15 pounds. You could add a bunch of bladders up to 85 pounds. Um, it's really cool. It's 150 bucks, you know, so it's not like super cheap, but mm-hmm. it does double as a, you know, backpack. I've taken it on work, tri- work trips and stuff too. Um, so I love that thing. It's and that's some favorite. serious weight too. If you are looking to really to, you know, to lift heavier then yeah. that's 85 pounds is uh i mean you're yeah, there yeah. yeah for most triathletes you're not going to get past that for most movements um you know you can do front squats with it you can do all sorts of i mean basically all gym almost all gym movements you can do with uh with a weighted pack um, yeah that you know that compresses well it has to be pretty well made like um you know i have used like photography sandbags in the past just like <laughs> taped together and you're like yeah this works but it's like it's kind of falling all over the place and there's not enough handles and um so i yeah i eventually upgraded to that and i love that i mean that's that's my favorite workout routine is i do this i think it's a it's like a half hour where you're not allowed to put down the bag at any point oh. and you oh, just cool. have to keep doing this like series of like you know 20 um you know like lateral raises or front squats or mm-hmm. you know whatever and you're just doing it continuously for half an hour and by the end of it you're just oh, like, cool your cardio is jacked because you haven't been able to put this thing down you're supposed to keep moving um but it's such a it's such an awesome workout i love that workout i think we're going to need more details of this workout for, yeah, the, for, the, for the show notes chris i think i i think i stole it from like uh I don't know, some outdoor wear brand or something. It was like, do the fireman workout. And I'm like, I want to be like a fireman. <laughs> Super oh, it's, all coming, it's all coming out now. All of Chris's yeah. secrets. Yeah. The guy looks so cool doing it too. <laughs> oh, we're going to need Insta Live of this, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when it, and also when it comes to weights, obviously the adjustable dumbbells are something that again, like got super popular during the pandemic when all the gyms closed. Uh, I, for one was definitely guilty of that buying adjustable weights on Amazon or somewhere. Did you? Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and now they're just gathering dust in my, in my closet, no. but, um, but they are again, like another, if, if you're short on space or, uh, looking for something that's super convenient. And maybe you don't want to have to, you know, you're not looking to lift heavy, heavy. Right. Like we're not talking 85 pounds, but adjustable dumbbells, I think, go up to like 15-ish or yeah. I guess they go up to whatever. But um, I'm yeah. talking from my frame of reference. I think mine are 15s, but. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think they go quite high now. Um, and, and you yeah, know, just to be clear, they're, they're like, it's a, looks like a single dumbbell. And yeah. then you, you flip a switch or something on it and it, it either attaches or releases amount of weight with it. So you don't have a whole rack. You don't have five, yeah. 10, 15, blah, 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 blah. It takes up all the space. It's just one dumbbell that, you know, things kind of like peel off of it, I guess is the best way yeah. <laughs> to describe it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I was looking online, Nordic track has one of the best rated ones with their select a weight, 600 bucks. I Whoa. Mean, yeah. For a pair of dumbbells. I'm like, What? um you can find i definitely didn't pay 600 bucks for mine yeah i hope not oh my gosh i think i think there's some budget ones like two three hundred um yep. so i don't know maybe the pandemic's made prices go up but yeah it seems like a lot for weight 
Um, yeah, it is cool to be able to have uh, a weight that you can adjust. So if you want to do something that you, maybe you want to do something like eyes wise tees, uh, again, I'm going to have to, I'll put the, I'll put a link to that exercise in the yeah. show notes in case people don't know what I'm talking about, but say no for idea. that, I, I would use, <laughs> I would use maybe five pound dumbbells for that. Yeah. But if you want to do um, some kind of chest press or shoulder press, you obviously might want to do use 15s, 20s, 25s. Uh, so it's very cool to be able to have it all from one from one dem- dumbbell or two, yeah. two dumbbells. Um, it's it again. It's very very convenient. Not something necessarily that's portable or you can travel with, but yeah. very convenient in terms of setting up. Again, yeah. having basics for a home gym. Yeah. Um. Pretty pretty convenient. Yeah. And then I've seen even um. You know, kettlebells are obviously really popular right now. Um. You know, in many ways that's very similar to the weighted pack. Um, you know, your ability to kind of sling this handled thing around. Um, yes. I've even seen adjustable kettlebells that are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's an awesome idea. I think that, yeah. that t- ticks like a lot of boxes to me. Definitely. Um, like if you're really looking for a versatile piece of equipment. Um, I know Bowflex has one I looked up today. It goes from 8 to 40 pounds. It says it replaces six kettlebells, um, 150 bucks each. So, you know, if you got a pair because you needed to simulate a dumbbell situation. So 300 yep. bucks, you know, yep. um, but you're able to probably do a little bit more with that. I would think. Um, yeah. so in terms of, yeah, just like the, the versatility, I feel like an adjustable kettlebell would be a good call. Yeah. So if you think about how many exercises you can do with a kettlebell and how many, if you're, if you're looking to really build out your home gym, I think sort of 150 or three or 300 as we're saying there for a pair. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a worthwhile investment yeah. in my book. But. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well let's talk and, about expensive things oh okay it's so you're gonna yeah you're gonna get into gear guru gear guru <laughs> is gonna go Not, enough of this hundred couple hundred bucks let's let's see what, he's throwing what, it what down yeah he likes it when i say if money were no object right yeah you start talking about a budget gym and i'm like i'll show you budget i'll blow that budget <laughs> out the door um there's okay. some cool stuff that's out there that's there it is. Yeah, it's we were like, just talking about this. Yeah, it's like the complete opposite of what we've been talking about so far. Um, you know, a backpack that serves as a, uh, you fill it with sand. You know, that's like the most yeah. primitive version of uh, weight training. But but there's this new stuff. It's these interactive strength training systems. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the basic idea behind at least the three I've, I've checked out um, are, you know, long story short, it's a, a huge TV Mm -hmm. Um, typically, you know, it's just, it has a nice form factor. So it looks like, you know, something cool you'd want in your home. Um, huge TV. Some of them have cameras, um, so you can interact with it, but you're basically looking at, you know, a personal trainer, whether live or recorded, who's going to tell you, you know, all right, here's your exercise for today and, you know, do like me. And then, um, and some of them you can see yourself doing it and some of them they'll give you live feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like this this kind of two way, you know, like, especially with the pandemic, you know, you're not going to a huge fitness class in a yeah. dark, dank, sweaty room. Um, you're staying at home where you're feeling safe. And, um, so, you know, there is definitely a need for this. It's not just some extravagant, um, item, I don't think. Um, but, and there are a few, and there are a few out there now too, right? So, yeah. um, you've got the, the mirror is the, maybe the most affordable one, or when we say affordable, yeah. we're, we're still right. talking about a sizable investment, of course, yeah. but yeah, so mirror is kind of the, the the most basic of the three that I've checked out. Um, it's it's basically just that TV with a camera. It's a thousand dollars. 
mm-hmm. um, plus forty dollars a month subscription. So this is all of these have subscription models. So just okay. be be aware. You know, it's not thousand bucks and then you're done. Yeah. Um, it comes with the, it comes with the TV thing. I think it's a little bit reflective, hence the mirror thing. Um, so you can see yourself. Has a camera. Um, it has some fitness bands. I think it comes with a heart rate monitor, and I think all of that you know interacts with the system. Mm-hmm. Um, it has live classes in yoga, strength, cardio. Um, so it's a little bit like that kind of Peloton thing, I yep. think, um, but without the bike. Um, and and they do help you with your form. Uh, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, keep your back straight, you know, whatever you're doing, which is awesome. Like, I, I feel like if there's any value to it, at least for me, mm-hmm. um, it's making sure I'm doing it right. You know, like, yeah, you know, I think that's what people want, right? Yeah. When, especially if you're should. paying this kind of money. Right. If they don't want it, then they don't really understand strength training because you got to do it right. If you're not doing it right, A, it's, it could be pointless. B, it could be hurting you. you. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so almost more valuable than anything is making sure you're doing it properly. Um, yeah. And so ha- having that live interaction and that, f- that form feedback is yeah. obviously where the, where the cost comes in here. Yeah. And, and I think they also offer like one-on-one personal, you know, trainer sessions, which is great. You know, um, you know, they're not going to be able to like, you know, put, put hands on you and actually correct you like a personal trainer would, or, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's a good step if you're not going to be in person in the gym, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I yeah. think that's great. I think that's cool. And a thousand bucks, you know, it's, it's not crazy amount. Um, but you do have to factor in $40 a month. Subscription. Yeah. 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 So it's like, so a I guess that's, yeah, that's really, if you are looking to have some one-on-one feedback, you don't want to, you don't want to be in a in-person situation or maybe you can't, you don't have the time to, right. um, but yeah, that's, that's obviously one option. And then yeah. the next up is. Next up is something you get like other things, you know, it's a little more interactive, a little more two way. Um, the tempo system, Mm -hmm. that one's between 2000, 2500, depending on their deals. Um, plus again, 40 month, $40 a month subscription. That seems to be the the sweet spot. Um, it, it comes with something almost just like the mirror, you know, it's that big TV. Um, it, it does the two way, um, you know, interaction with the, mm-hmm. the live classes and stuff. Um, but, but Tempo also uses um, some AI to kind of help with your strength. Uh, I'm sorry, with your form correction, mm-hmm. you know, for better or for worse, that's kind of interesting. It's probably a little mm-hmm. more economical on their end. Um, mm-hmm. And it also comes with weight systems. So it's, it's like, you know, it's the TV plus it comes with a bunch of weights that you can configure and use in different ways. Whereas, you know, keep in mind with mirror, you know, any strength training stuff, you'd have to buy the weights if you're going above and beyond. Right. Right. Um, so that, you know, but also the tempo system has the weights in it. So, you know, it's probably not something if you're living in a, you know, studio apartment, you're going to want in the middle of your space. Yeah. Um, but if you have a home gym, it'd be awesome. You know, yeah, it seems like the perfect kind of pain cave. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, it's a little more tangible and more tactile. You've got the, you know, the things are sitting there and you're grabbing them and they're going to say, you know, yeah. put on your yellow weight or whatever and, you know, do this thing. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And, and it, it keeps track of your reps for you using the yeah, AI, so which is cool. That's think, interesting to me. Like, I mean, I'm fascinated by the whole AI and train, you know, and the impact yeah. it has on training and how it works and getting in the weeds of that. But so that would be, yeah, I would be uh, the training geek in me would be interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, because because when I first read that, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but you know, I can count. But but you know, when you have a personal trainer, if you've worked with a personal trainer, you know, they're saying, all right, down, you know, one, 
too. And then if you start mm-hmm. to slow, they change the tempo. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just going to keep counting, you know, if you're not following it. And I think uh, the tempo, you know, well, hence the name, maybe um, it changes tempo based on your, you know, how, if you're struggling, if you need to slow down, if you're, if you're hammering through it. Um, so that's kind of cool. You know, that's, yeah. that's, I think in some ways, you know, it sounds dumb, but I think that's a kind of a big value of having a personal trainer or a coach is definitely keep, keep you on that tempo, keep you going, um, but yep. also to adjust and not be unrealistic. You know, it's not yes. just a metronome just clicking away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. It'll be fascinating to see how that, that kind of thing develops. I think going, you know, in the yeah. future. I think um, that has a lot of space to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then kind of the final one, like the, the granddaddy of mm. in terms of deluxe um, is the tonal. And yes. we've had that in the magazine a few months ago. Yeah, a little while ago. Yeah, maybe a year ago. This is one of those situations where we say a few months ago and it's probably oh, actually man. a year ago. But Could've yeah, been. we had it We had it in the magazine. It was, um, oh, yeah, it was a while ago. Well, it was we'll save ago. ourselves and say it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Time has no meaning. Um, yes. But yeah, so tonal, it's it's kind of uh, it's got the you know the the TV thing, um, but rather than using up space for weights, um, it uses resistance, um, yes. which is like next level because it it automatically controls you know the resistance via this TV monitor system yeah. um, thing, and not only does it you know you put in you know I want you know whatever the weight is or whatever the resistance is, but it'll adjust it if you're struggling. Yes. Um, which is very cool, I think. Yeah. I think um, so they have a spotter mode. So if you're really struggling on your, you know, your bench or whatever, it'll it'll help you out and save you. Yeah. Um, which is is pretty neat. Um, and I think that the nice the big benefit to me from the tonal, um, which I can't remember if it says three thousand bucks. So it's not cheap. Like Yeah, this is it's the, definitely the priciest option. Yeah. When and, it comes to these. And their subscription's fifty dollars a month. So it's kind of like, you know, you pay on the front, you pay on the back. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think the biggest benefit aside from just, I think the size situation, it's almost, it's probably a little bit bigger than the mirror, but not nearly mm-hmm. as big as the tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something you could probably put in an apartment and it wouldn't just like take over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, is the fact that it, it does actually have triathlete specific stuff. Um, yes. Which is they cool. definitely, I think when they're in the process of creating it and building this out, I think they did consult with a lot of endurance athletes and, yeah. Uh, so I think it, it is, uh, it's definitely one of the more specific, yeah, triathlon specific, it has more tri-specific tri- programs and yeah. workouts, doesn't it? And I, I know they sponsored a ton of different triathletes yeah. when they first launched. I don't know where that is now. Yeah. But. yeah. And I know Mark Allen put together a whole program for them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's really nice. Cause then you're not having to like choose your, you know, it's hard when you're triathlete sometimes you're like, okay, which one of these workouts is just for like, you know the general population, you know, just yeah. trying to like stay active and moving or, yeah. you know, be toned or ripped or whatever, or, you know, which of these workouts is going to help me functionally. Um, yes. You have to end up picking and choosing those sometimes. And that can be a little hard. Um, yeah, definitely. So you're getting a little more of, I guess, like a curated experience probably with the tonal. Um, yeah. The one thing we did find, and, and this may have changed, but it doesn't have that live two-way feedback um doesn't have live classes um so it says it has a little bit of form um kind of critique or something but i think it's it's a little more on the ai um feedback situation than someone being like look you're doing that wrong like you know stop yeah which is interesting to me because at that price point you would expect it wouldn't you i think you know like 
And it seems like something that wouldn't like, it seems like they've done the hard, the legwork with all this crazy resistance stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, just slap some cameras in that thing and, you know, hire, hire, uh, you know, some personal trainers. But I guess, you know, that's the thing, you know, with like Peloton and all those, uh, I think Peloton considers itself a media company, you know, which is fascinating to me. Um, because they have studios and, you know, video, you know, videographers and all that stuff where, you know, maybe that's not an investment tonal's looking to put out just guessing, (laughs) just random guessing though. No idea. Yeah, definitely. Definitely interesting. And I think if, like we say, if you are looking to invest in your home gym, in your pain cave, if you are really going to put in some, some time and hours, uh, through obviously not just through the winter, but throughout the entire season, then yeah. um, these sorts of things are worth looking at. I think if you have yeah. the budget to to go that way. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, last show before the holidays, Chris. So I'm going to spring a surprise question at you, which is, what are you hoping Try Santa brings for you? Ooh, Try Santa. Try Santa. Um, hmm. Someone else asked me what was the top of my Christmas list the other day, and it was like a younger person. And they were getting a new iPhone. I think I told them pants and like the look of sadness on their face, like not just for me, but like for their future. So hopefully I don't make anyone sad, but I'm trying to think like, here's the problem with being the gear guru, EK. I know it's kind I of get, an impossible question. So I'm sorry. I just, I just like totally to the lions. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I have almost everything that ever has existed. in <laughs> So maybe I know. I know. Uh-oh, I'm what? hoping that Santa brings me the time and the space to enjoy oh. myself this this Christmas oh. year. Yeah, this holiday season. There you go. Look there we that. go. <laughs> and on that warm and fuzzy note, we're going to round out the show for not just for today, but for the year. So uh, thank you very much, Gear Guru. Thank Always you, a okay. Good talking Cheers. to you. Okay, so hopefully you're now a little more in the know when it comes to strength and conditioning and you're really ready to get the most from your strength work in the year ahead, whether that's in the gym or at home. Thank you for joining us on this month's Fitter and Faster and if you haven't already, please subscribe to Fitter and Faster by Triathlete wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate and review us. It helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. We'll be back next month and next year, but until then, happy holidays and happy training.